about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. The Four Horsemen Podcast, week eight. We took a week off, and we are back. Today's show is a little bit different. Uh, it's two of us today. Myself, the P two Marrieds. The two Marrieds. <laughs> Myself, P Wagon, and Stephen. Dylan is unfortunately no longer with us. He's not dead. He's just Canadian. <laughs> so we're gonna do this live and see how it turns out. Uh, but before we begin, a uh, word from our sponsor. Our title sponsor is Dwindle. And here's the thing. There's a ton of jobs out there, and there's a ton of people looking for work. How to find the right job is by using a job board. Dwindle's going to match you with the jobs that will help you pay off your student loan debt. They're really there to help with this national crippling debt uh, that a lot of people have. So if you're looking for a job and you have student loan debt, Dwindle's a spot for you. They can help you out. They'll do a resume review with you. They'll do everything you need to really make it the the best job search possible. Uh, recruiters are on that site. You can be on the site with your resume. Uh, they'll reach out to you. You can re- reach out to companies. I know a couple of big companies are with them right now as well. Uh, so go to Dwindle. Tell them the horseman sent you. And uh, dwindle down that debt. So thank you, Dwindle. We love you. We're seven and one. We got through the hard part of the season, according to everyone. And now we got four games left. Four games to go eleven and one. Um so um I know I don't sound the normal happy self that I am. I'm just so sick and fucking tired of Notre Dame fans. Uh they are the worst. We're seven and one. And people are acting like it's a four and eight season. It's a transition year to 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 beat too. It's like I I I I I don't get it. We have fourteen hundred followers, almost fifteen hundred followers. Humble brag. And I go on the mentions after games, and I just want to throw my phone in the nearby river. Be happy. You're seven and one. I've been alive for ND being four and eight, three and nine. They're going to win another 10 game season. Again, Vegas had them over nine, over under was nine. They're going to have a great end of season. They're going to put themselves in the New Year's Six Bowl, maybe on the outside looking into the college football playoff, maybe in the college football playoff. And people are acting like the sky is fucking falling. Because they have two quarterbacks that they're using. Because they don't like Tommy Reese. They don't like Marcus Freeman. Everything is fine. I'm happy. Seven wins. 
Great seven wins. I've enjoyed every minute of those seven wins. The one loss I didn't watch. Still haven't. Not going to. I don't care why Notre Dame Nation can't be happy. There's my rant. I'm sick and tired of it. Oh, we expect more accountability. Fuck you. Be <laughs> happy. Like, is it that, Steve, am I crazy? Am I am I crazy to think that Notre Dame fans should be happy right now? I think you have a, a bit more of a strident voice on this particular topic than uh, what I would have. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on your side in that, hey, you know what, guys? We have we have it pretty good. You know, we're seven and one. We're favored in every game the rest of the way. Yeah, we gave up what thirty four points. What was it forty four thirty four? Yeah, um, gave up thirty four points. Uh, this is also to a Heisman candidate, and you know what many people at the beginning of the year thought was going to be a dark horse to potentially backdoor them, them their way into you know the college football playoff. So yeah, we get okay. I would have hoped Freeman's defense would have been a little bit better. Uh, I would have hoped, you know, to hold him less than 20. I think we were capable of doing so. Yeah. There's a couple of missed tackles here and there. Uh, you're playing an elite competition in, in a, in a quarterback who's going to put up yards and points. We by and large held them at certain points of the games where they had to punt or interceptions, you know, forcing turnovers, which Marcus Freeman has been phenomenal at. Getting to uh, to the quarterback, we had I think three team sacks on the game, so yeah, I mean a lot of they they basically had to pass the entire game. They they had a couple of runs here and there, but like they they had to play catch up ball to us. We had them in the bag. It was what forty one twenty seven. Yeah, yep. they're going to obviously try to to get that you know like stretch the field, and then we're on our end. We're playing bend don't break, keep everything in front of you, don't do anything stupid. You can't just look at 34 points and think, oh, man, we stink. It's like you have to understand their situational football, you know, like. But, but Steve, that, Virginia, Virginia scored 49 and they're they're world beaters. Notre Dame's going to get gashed. They don't have their number. They're a top five draft pick. They, they're also playing at the end of the game with Sam Howell running like a fucking light post. They're not trying to get a targeting penalty and be out for the first half first Navy. I don't think people exactly. understand that. The game's already done. You yep. have Sam Howell running through your defense, and one of your corners, and Kyle might not play next weekend. One of those corners takes a, a shot at Sam Howell's head, targeting, he's out. Yeah, go for the yep. Now you're into your fourth, fifth, sixth guys in the secondary. It, it, I'm, I'm okay with Sam Howell gashing the defense for a 20-yard game when you're already up. 41 27 or whatever it was at that point there's seven minutes left in the game you're up by 14 like you kind of got the thing in the bag if you have any sort of competence and i think they had that confidence we're just saying let's just let you know and i get it you want to crush them you want to you want to you know drive them into the ground and yeah we i definitely there's an argument to be made in regards to having kind of the killer instinct and i think as a program we we definitely have a long way to go in that regard but you also have to un, it, there there are just situations where you just don't put yourself in a bad position whether it be penalties giving up the big play or like you mentioned you know if targeting comes into play then th- that that opens up a, a whole different you know ball game so it's just don't be foolish uh just play smart sound football that's what they did i i would have wished for us to get off the field on a couple of third downs you know there was there was a bullshit roughing the passer on yeah. on a guy just like well you know, arms to try to defend okay he threw a, he threw a forearm at his head 
Yeah, well, shouldn't have been standing there. So it, it is what it is. I, I think we're we're kind of you know micro, you know, getting into uh, the minutia of specifically the UNC game. But as a program, as a whole, as where we are at, at as a whole, uh, you know, with this team, with this season, this was always going to be a transitioning year. They're the very same people that are are really upset right now on Twitter. Let me just puff my cigar real quick. Uh, you know, everyone upset and saying that, you know, this, uh, this program is imploding. We're also predicting them to go nine and three or 10 and two at the beginning of the year. So which is it, right? Are we, are we an 11 and one football program that's going to compete in a new year's six bowl game and potentially backdoor yet another playoff? Or are we falling in line right with your expectations of, Hey, transition year, we're still building up, you know, offensive line and, and all the other issues, transitioning quarterback, the whole nine. We're still really, really good, but we're not quite where we need to be. You have to pick a side, and and there's just been it's it's been all over the map. So that's where I'm going to side with you. At the end of the day, you know, I everyone's going to have their own viewing experience and their own fan experience. So that's where I'm going to be a little bit more softer on this and just say, you know, everyone, the main priority at this point in the in these last four games of the season, just have fun, just enjoy yeah. it. This is the winningest decade that we've had in forever. So that that's where I'll land on. Is is you know, I, I'm just. I want to spread that positive, you know, that positive message and just, you know, uh, and, and I think you're, you're also getting there. I think it's obviously just a little bit more of a louder and, and crude voice, but, but both, both opinions, are, but your, your opinions are valid, you know, yeah. uh, and, and everyone's opinions are valid. It's just like, this is kind of the discourse of the era that we're in, in Notre Dame football, which is, Hey, we've, we, uh, we obviously haven't won the big one yet. And everyone's upset about that. We all want to get there. Um, just the sky isn't falling at all times is where I'll close out with. Yeah. And the, the only other thing, and I put a cowboy hat on to say this statement, people are saying, Oh, we should demand greatness out of our coaching staff. Who the, who else would you want right now on the coaching staff? They're one of the, they're a top, they're number eight in the AP and the coaches poll right now. The other seven teams ahead of them probably should be ahead of them. I, I I don't get it. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me to demand great. You're not in the fucking booth. You're not an athletic director. You're a fan watching from home who probably has never coached football before or played football before. A couple coaches follow me on Twitter, humble brag. A couple players and players' parents follow me on Twitter. So if they hear this, I'm on their side. I want them to be able to go on Twitter and not see how much their son sucks or how much they suck. Because they don't. I love everyone on that team. It, it's ridiculous. And, and fans, you need to do better. Yep. Well, I get <sighs> it. And, and calling out the coaches, that's that's something that I just, you know, if it's egregious, then yeah, I get it. Like Van Gorder's defenses. But yeah, I mean, we... We're 7-1. Yeah, I don't... Exactly. We This is a 7-1 football team that's averaging over 30 points a game on offense. We average under 30 points a game on defense. And uh, again, a lot of that is just kind of circumstantial. So, uh, and, and also, do you think that this team is, has been getting worse every week since week one, no. or have they been getting better every week since week one? That's also no. something that you can yeah. tell about a coaching staff is especially in the face of adversity of losing that game to UC early in their season, you know, every step of the way, every game, they've, the offensive line has gotten better. Quarterback play has gotten, uh, 
steadily better. I'm not going to say that we have Joe Burrow back there, but like it's it's been pretty damn good. And and Jack Cohn played a really really damn good uh, good football game. So, you know, that's where I want to kind of close out in regards yeah. to that. But if you wanted to get more into the the actual game recap itself, unless there's something else on the agenda. No, it was just USC, but whatever. They're a poverty school anyway. It doesn't matter. They're we beat them again. They're a rival, but it's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. So like whatever. USC, we beat them. There, there's my recap there. Uh, Keaton Slovis, I knew he sucked, and I'm not wrong about that. Uh, but uh, really quick prayers up to Drake London. He suffered a pretty nasty leg injury uh, oh, last man. night, like actually bad. And he's a very good player, so that that sucks for him. Uh, but going into the game, um, we didn't have too much to go off of in terms of the punting or the special teams. Door was great. Uh, what I have saw in both of the games is something about Tyler Buckner that I just wanted to talk about. Uh, but before we do that, Dylan, just wanted to throw some comments in here from Beyond the Grave in Canada. Uh, <laughs> he thought it was a great game. We did expect UNC to score, but he also expected us to score. Uh, he said Cohn and Buckner were great. The offensive line was getting better. He loved that Michael Mayer is blocking uh, and the blocking on on Kyron's 91-yard touchdown run especially was highlighted there. Uh, Austin played well, as did Brayden Lindsey. Uh, so that that's Dylan's comments on the game. But what you're seeing with when they run Buckner out there, they're running this split-back set, and it's very akin to what Auburn did. Uh, with Cam Newton, that's the example I'm going to use because that's the tape I had when I ran this offense. What they're doing is they're reading an end man on the line, whether that's a defensive end, a walk-up walk linebacker, kind of that monster back, and they're saying, be an athlete, make a decision, and then they're going to play the wrong decision. So you're going to see that a lot next year with him. It's a read option offense. That's all it is. But you saw last night when they ran they ran split back and they ran a little option pattern so a read option on rpo if you want to get analytical and then they just dumped it out to i think it was williams that they dumped it out to and the end man on the line was fucked he was either going to have to take tyler take the run option or cover the flat he's they're making defensives be wrong essentially so they can choose right but then there's that third option that's always going to make them wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really fun offense. And then when you start adding other stick routes onto it with the tight ends and receivers, uh, it opens up the offense. And Tyler can run. So uh, that that's something that's going to be really, if if Reese keeps doing that, especially with kind of a spread hurry-up offense, it's going to look like a Big 12 school next year. There's going to be so many points scored. Yeah, it is an offense that effectively schemes the field to be more open, right? You know, if you're just traditionally running the ball, obviously there's only so so much you could scheme a run play. Yeah, just a traditional you know handoff or 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 pitch. If you're passing the ball, there's only so there's a lot more that you can scheme because you can get a little bit more diverse in the route tree and uh, you know with coverages and everything. Uh, but then again, you know, if if they're either blitzing or if they, you know, send three and drop eight, depending on the coverages, then, you know, a traditional pass can also be effectively defended. And from what, you know, I'm, I'm gathering from what you're saying and obviously from our experience with the, uh, the, the Gus Malzahn, you know, spread option Auburn offense, uh, which it looks like is the future with Tyler, 
is is yeah it's like there's you have to there's three decisions to be made on every single play and it's increasingly difficult with the talent that Notre Dame has in the backfield and and out wide it's going to be more increasingly difficult for them to cover all three of those phases because if you get the run great you know Tyler can pull yeah, uh, well, Tyler can pull it down and he, uh, himself instead of giving it to the to the running back. If he wants to give it to the running back, the running backs, as we saw just last night, are extraordinarily talented. And then on the outside, I mean, just look at Deion Colsey and uh, <clears throat> excuse me and Lorenzo Style Juniors coming uh, coming into their own. Right, they're they're yeah. phenomenal. They're the future, and and there's a lot more where that came from. So, uh, yeah, the future is definitely bright with that sort of system. Yeah. So you know, based off of that. With everyone that we had rushing, uh, Kyron Williams, 22 for 199 and one uh, with 91 coming off of a Barry Sanders like run. He is going to be the next Barry Sanders in the NFL. Uh, no one can tell me otherwise. Dude, yeah, his the way that he is just so shifty, his jump cuts like that guy is incredible. And we thought he was going to go out with an injury like that. That also I thought his season was over. Yeah. So he said he overreacted a little bit. So that was always good to see. Uh, he's phenomenal. You have uh, you have Logan Dids. He's phenomenal. Aldrick Esteem, Estime, whatever. Uh, he's phenomenal at blocking right now. He's turning I could see him getting converted uh, into a tight end of sorts, uh, where he's blocking on those H back. Yeah, H back style. And in Auburn's offense, in fairness, you do run an H-back across. Philip Blixenkirchen. Yeah, sure. Uh, he, <laughs> was their, he was like their fullback, H-back right. guy. It's a fullback, but it's not a fullback because this fullback can slide across the pattern. And it's playing more to that offensive line strength of the younger guys. Rocco Spindler pulling on some of that stuff. He's going to demolish people. It's going to oh, be absolutely. phenomenal to watch. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, Sam Howell went 24 for 31, 341. Uh, Jack Cohn went 16 for 24, 213, a quiet 213, and he had a rushing touchdown. So fuck all of you who didn't think he could run. He can run. Uh, <laughs> I, he's not agile, but he can run. He's He has lacrosse speed. Logan Dids, 11 for 42 with a touchdown. Cohn, 3 for 28. Buckner, 4 for 16. Uh, and Avery Davis, 1 for 10. Uh, the guys who really impressed me, uh, I'm not high on Kevin Austin, unfortunately. I wish I was. Uh, but Lorenzo Styles, Avery Davis, Michael Mayer, those are the three that I'm super high on. Uh, so that that's really kind of just a general recap. It never felt like Notre Dame was going to lose the game because I think UNC only led for 58 seconds of the entire game. That's correct. So. I did out the math today. Um, now, one thing that I, I guess I'll... Uh, push back on i think that that kevin austin is absolutely phenomenal there's just he's because of injury and missing a lot of time so far in his career this is his first real season on the field and it's been apparent you know he's had some drops Uh, i i think it's more of a lack of focus than it is bad hands i think he's he's still adjusting to either learning to take the hit or you know looking up field to make some moves before he gets the ball right so i i don't think it's a bad hands issue i think it's mentality is he a sophomore no he is a true senior but he has an a year of eligibility left so he can come back next year i had no idea what what year he was i mean granted i did ask one of my players he's missed one year to suspension and two years to injury 
All right. I asked one of my players who is a rising senior if he was a freshman the other day. So that's where my brain's at. There you uh, go. No, you know, Kevin Austin's Kevin Austin. You, you, he's almost like I'm trying to remember that. right. It, this is going to make me look bad. and I'm not going to edit this out. Fuck it. There was a, a comparison I was going to make, but I don't have it in me. I'm tired. So fair enough. The other side of the ball defensively. Yes, we there was a, a ton of gains. If you look at UNC's chart, Sam Howell threw for 341 and one touchdown, but also had a pick, which was a great pick on ND's part. Rushing wise, they went Sam Howell had 101, and their two running backs, 83 and 53 of them were on one play and 39. Uh, yeah, that that happens, but. Notre Dame was playing a different style of defense without their best defender out there. And Tariq Bracey went into, uh, got hurt as Med well. Med 10, yep. Med 10. And then we had, uh, you know, players playing out of position, some newer faces out there. But at the same time, you're seeing tackles all across the board from a ton of different people. Foskey, Lewis, MTA, you know that they were going to make some tackles. Bracey, White. All the usual suspects, uh, suspects there, Griffith, Hart, Pryor. But then you Jeez, get like, man. Harold Cross in there, uh, Nana of, of Safo Mensa. I uh, love Nana. And then you even get um, Bethello. Bethello starting to play Jordan a little Bethello bit Jordan Bethello had a sack to end out the close out the game. Uh, he, yeah. they, he, he got brought in late, and he was a terror out there. And even Alexander Eitrenberg, uh, and I'm butchering their names, but the German guy, number 99. Yep. He's coming. You're having players play who normally wouldn't play because they need to, and they still have a ton of time under their belt. Growing this season into next season, into the following season, that's going to help. That's what you're seeing with Georgia's, the Alabama's, all the Clemson's when they were good. I hate you, Dabo. Uh, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing them blow out teams in the first half and then play players in the second half who normally wouldn't play. In the reverse here, Notre Dame has to play these players out of necessity, but now they're getting live game experience. I can tell you from a D3 level, going from high school to college to learn the speed of the game, entirely different sport altogether. It might, it might as well not have even been called American football. You're learning. It's literally you're just learning day one again. Yeah, so... With that, when you're able to get game experience in games that matter, in stadiums that matter, you then will go into that following year knowing what you can do at that time. So I, I, I think defensively we're in a good spot. And it's year one of a Freeman defense where they're stri- still trying to unlearn things from the previous uh, Clark Lee defense. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And yeah, so I'm, I'm confident in this defense going forward. I still think this is a top 20 defense. And I think uh, that those numbers will only continue to rise over the course of time. Uh, yeah. As Freeman gets implemented, he gets his guys. And, and uh, if anyone has paid attention to the recruiting, we try to highlight that a lot on Twitter. The guys are coming. They are coming. So, so make no, no bones about that. One thing I wanted to talk about, and I've been more and more impressed week in and week out. And you, I was critical. I've been very critical, and I also believe in celebrating success and propping people up when they do the right thing. And and Coach Tom Reese has been phenomenal, over the, especially friend over of the, the past. Program. Friend of the program, Tom Reese. Uh, shout out 
Chick-fil-A, right? Yes. Um, (laughs) So we had, with the exception of ending the half with a a kneel down, right? We'll take that off the board. Notre Dame had nine drives. They scored on seven of them and only punted twice. There was no turnovers. And when we needed it most to close out the game, we had a 13-play, 73-yard drive. It only ended with a field goal, but it took five minutes and 46 seconds off the clock. That after the field goal, we go up 44 to 34. We're, we're up 10 with virtually a minute and a half left. That 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 drive did effectively ice it, even though it only ended up in three. Would have loved it for it to take another 30 seconds and punch it in, just get some style points, really decimate them. It is what it is. You have to celebrate success and call it out for what it was. This was a, a successful game by Tommy Reese and his offense. They, they scored at will, literally all practically at will. Uh, a punt in the fir- on the first drive and then a punt in the, late in the second half. And that's it. Yep. So um, the offense is really rounding out. Kyron Williams, what else is there to say? I mean, I, you know, we're all going to be talking about that 91-yard touchdown run forever. And uh, here's, a, here's a fun little exercise. You know, does this get him into the Heisman conversation? Because he obviously struggled early on, but a Heisman... The Heisman Trophy is presented to a player that exemplifies the, one of the most outstanding players on the on the football field that exemplifies like winning and greatness and all that sort of stuff. Is there a guy on this Notre Dame roster that exemplifies that more in the what we argue to be the biggest team in the sport in what is still going to be a highly successful, most likely eleven and one season as we head into a New Year's Six bowl game? That's the most likely scenario. Is Kyron Williams deserving of being in that discussion despite his early on season struggles, which obviously can be attributed to a lot of different factors? What are your thoughts? So me, yes, personally, he should be in consideration there. Unfortunately, looking at the odds right now, the the leading three are Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Matt Corral. Uh, then from there, Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State. He should be in contention, too. I think Kenneth Walker and Kyron should be 1A, 1B uh, in terms of importance there. Caleb Williams, whatever. You play in Oklahoma. You you don't matter. Defenses are optional. Yeah, Kenny Pickett. I don't even know what school he plays for. Uh, uh, then, Pittsburgh. Again, whatever. Trayvon Henderson, Sam Hartman, Brian Robinson Jr., Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter being plus 4,000. And he's played, other than Notre Dame, he's played no one. And he almost lost to Tulane. And he, he did not play great against Notre Dame either until yeah, well. until like the final two drives of the game, which again we basically we gifted that game to Cincinnati, which we're and not gonna he's fun. he's plus four thousand, Sam Hartman's plus four thousand, Bijan Robinson, who hasn't done anything at Texas outside of the first two weeks of the season. A couple plus of 6, nice 000. runs against Big Twelve defenses. Yeah. Bruce Hall, another Big Twelve running back, Cade McNamara from Michigan. Ugh. Plus 10,000. Like, yeah, there's value on Kyron Williams at plus 13,000 right now. But it depends on where the Heisman trophies are going. Vegas doesn't think too highly of Kyron. But he's one of the best. He's the most dynamic running back. He can return punts. Everything he's doing and just the love he has for Notre Dame and the sport should put him in that consideration there. Yeah, I mean, he's up to almost 1,000 yards already uh, combined through eight games, right? So he's at 707 yards rushing, seven touchdowns through eight games. And then he has 257 yards receiving uh, with three receiving touchdowns. So he's 
just a hair. Oh, well, I, I have a different number here on ESPN app, but regardless. So no, that, that wouldn't that be two fifty-seven. We're doing math together. Two fifty-seven and seven o seven. That's nine sixty-four. Yep. Okay. Don't edit it, baby. Where where this is this is the pure <laughs> authentic four horsemen. <laughs> um, yep. So he's at nine hundred sixty-four yards, just a hair short of a thousand. He has ten touchdowns, and this is all through ten games, right? So he's averaging with all of his touches uh, over a hundred yards a game, uh, probably over hundred and twenty a game, and he's obviously the most valuable position player that we have. Um, yeah. I mean, I trust me, I, if you name a wide receiver or a tight end on this team, I absolutely love them, and I'll, I can make a case for them to be in the NFL and beyond. Uh, but when it comes to this particular year, Kyron is absolutely the moving force. It all is obviously depending on him getting moving with the offensive line. The offensive line's back into gear at this point, and it just, you know, we, we're not going to really so show signs of, of slowing down or stopping as we head into the final four games. These are the, the weakest four games on our schedule. Uh, Virginia's defense, we might legitimately put up like 650 yards against them. And yeah, it's, it's an exciting time for Kyron. And I think if there's ever a chance for anyone to get in some value with, with gambling, um, I don't know how to do math with gambling because I'm an idiot and I, I bet in like $10 increments, but I'm pretty sure if you put like 50 bucks on Kyron to win the Heisman and if he actually did it, you'd come out with, a, uh, at least a, a mortgage payment. Uh, a little bit less than that, to be honest with you. Uh, so just to go off of that, if you did bet Kyron Williams right now at the plus 1300, uh, 13,000 odds, uh, 50 would get you 6,550. So you can pay rent for a month in New York City. Uh, so In a uh, one bedroom yeah, with rats. With, in a loft. Uh, yeah. $100 Gunshots downstairs. A hundred dollars gets you thirteen thousand one. So uh, that that's where you're at. The thirteen thousand one hundred. Uh, if you you bet Kyron right now, so a dollar it's like a hundred and thirty. I think you get back from that. Thirteen hundred. No. Yes. Hundred and thirty. We're not good at math. Yeah, hundred. I, I was thinking ten. So you see, that's I, I work in finance, so uh, obviously, Both as you can see, numbers are my specialty. So yeah, that was. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. No, that just, you know, Kyron, Kyron's it. Kyron's the guy. He's the horseman for both of us. Like that. I don't think you can say more about him. The run, he blocks downfield. He does. He ran, returned that punt in the first quarter, 47 yards to set up good field position there. That turns the game right there. And the juicy burns on the sideline. Yeah, that's all. That, he doesn't know about defense, but he still gets hyped for the defense. He yeah, said that. he's on record of saying that. So. Yeah, he, he's a he's a complete football player. As we yeah. saw last year in the Clemson game, he's more than willing to step up and become a pass blocker. He's a fantastic receiver. He's obviously a phenomenal runner, both downhill if he wants to run you over. But he's just so shifty. I've never seen anything like it at Notre Dame. It's so fun. And yeah. he, he's just on a totally different level right now. Um and yeah, so I, I don't think that there's really if you there's almost no weakness to his game, at least not that I'm seeing. And I have uh, an amateur eye. Obviously, there might be a professional scout that can point to one thing. But like, how do you not love this guy? He's giving everything he has into every single play. He brings the momentum. He brings the juice, like you said. And, and he's a he's an absolute leader on this team. So shout out Kyron from the mountaintops. And, you know, other than that, 
just kind of going off of that, just the horsemen. I, I know we didn't do anything against USC, uh, but really, I think we're going to have the same same four for this week. Kyron's definitely going to be our top one for both of us. Uh, my other three, just to to kind of segue off of that, and then if there's any other UNC notes, we can definitely have. But I'm pretty much good. It's you know we won the game, 44-34. I think 44-34. Yeah, 44-34. So just looking real quick, uh, my four Kyron one, uh, a hybrid because that's what Tommy Reese does of Cohen Buckner too. Uh, they're dynamic. They complement each other well. They play complementary football well with each other. Uh, and then number three uh, is going to be uh, Lorenzo Styles. I like him a lot. I like his mom a lot, and I like his story a lot. And I think him coming into his own as a player on Notre Dame, uh, it's going to be huge. I, you know, he's definitely one of those guys who, uh, season wide, 147 yards on eight receptions. Uh, he hasn't got a touchdown yet, but his first one, it's just going to blow the house off. I think he's uh, one of those guys that loves Notre Dame, uh, and that's going to be big for us coming down the line. Uh, and then number four, because I always have to put a spin on it, uh, isn't hasn't played all season, uh, is Harrison Leonard, another <laughs> friend of the program. Uh, Harrison, Rhode Island native, uh, launched a company called Our Playbook, uh, couple weeks ago against i think it was a usc game this uh brand called iconic who gary v damon john uh that justin bieber uh scooter producer Braun. scooter Braun. there we go scooter Braun all came or they're all connected with iconic the iconic head of the the company came to nd met with harrison leonard and the rest of the uh, players and he signed an NIL deal for 105 student athletes to get uh, iconic posters and work a deal with them. Uh, it's one of the largest deals in college football right now, as first reported by the Four Horsemen. Uh, anyone, if you saw it anywhere else, you're wrong. Uh, and with that, it's just awesome to see a player who's a walk on getting involved in that side of the business and helping other student-athletes out. They've signed a ton of uh, walk-on player union players over to Augie's locker room. These are all free ads right now. Uh, he's really the driving force behind a ton of Notre Dame stuff, and he's going to be doing a lot of big things in the future. Uh, so during senior day, I'll be starting a Harrison chant uh, to let him kick one. Uh, I don't know if he's graduating early or not, but I would like to see a field goal while I'm there. Uh, so shout-out Harrison Leonard, uh, friend of the program. Rhode Island's finals. Electric. And I'll just add my, uh, I agree on the first three of your horsemen. I'm going to throw on DJ Brown, who had five tackles and obviously an interception as he took over for Kyle Hamilton and his duties. So was he the best defensive player in the field? No, but he stepped up in a spot where he was uh, incredibly needed. So, so good for him. Um, I like DJ Brown a lot. I think he's on the inside the garage podcast with Kyle Hamilton too. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan just of him as a, a human. I'm a fan of pretty much everybody on this team as humans. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like there's a bad guy out there, and it's a it's a really lovable. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to comment. Um, it, but by by and large, yeah. the the uh, this is a very lovable team. Uh, and then also, if we are shouting out uh, walk-ons, shout out uh, to Matt Salerno. Oh who yeah, be, because of the injury, was on the field, and he was part of the block. 
that helped spring Lorenzo Styles' big run. So contributing in his own right. So uh, again, you don't have to be the best to get a shout out. You just have to do your job when you're called upon. So shout out to the walk on. I believe he's a senior at this point. So, uh, so awesome for Matt Salerno and, and a great moment for him. And, and again, even though it's a block, we celebrate success on this podcast. Are we the first podcast to, I want to be the first podcast. I'm going on record. I don't care what anyone else says. We are going to be the first podcast that supports the walk-on players union. We will be the podcast for the walk-on players union. The Four Horsemen podcast formally endorses Wopu for anything they need in the future. Correct. Use us as a platform. We already perform plenty of propaganda for the Notre Dame football team. And if uh, we will now, by extension, offer that propaganda to the Wopu Nation. All right. So going from there, uh, started at USC, happened again this week. Uh, Notre Dame, and this actually ties in, it's a callback to my first point. Uh, they have a new game day environment. Uh, for the fourth quarter, uh, some third downs as well. Notre Dame has gotten away from the traditional gold seats, sitting there listening to a song written in 1927 or 1827 or whatever, uh, and they're making it more fun for recruits. USC week, we saw the, all the lights remixed, uh with Let Me Clear My Throat, which I think is now the Notre Dame song. So... They did that, the light show at night. This week, they did it as well, would let me clear my throat again, being the the main song at the end of it. And then for third downs, they did the purge, uh, why are you scared, alarm type of thing, which got the crowd hyped. And it's cool to see, I mean, I'm 30, you're 30, 31, whatever. 31. We're, we're old enough to know what Notre Dame did young enough to know that it's not getting recruits anymore. I hate jump around. I hate Virginia Tech. It's ticky tacky. But recruits think it's cool. Adapt or die. Exactly. You have to do it. Play. I'm fine. Play the 1812 overture. Do the Kelly thing. When I'm there in three weeks, I'm going to do it. I'm going to love every minute of it. I'm going to cry the whole game. Do everything you need to do there. But then have some fun with it. Absolutely. The, it's the, it's they, not like it has to. It's not a binary choice. We it doesn't yeah, have to yeah. be one or the other. We can absolutely indulge in the moment and the times and the milieu in which we are currently in, which is you know young guys that are 16, 17, 18. These guys, you know, they they want to. When you're 16, 17, 18, you want to get girls. You want to be partying. You want to have fun. Obviously, their main objective. Clearly, and let's state this main objective for every it's single one of these education. players is it's education. Exactly. It's <laughs> to become a fantastic football player and have a chance to play in the NFL. That is yeah, their main yeah. focus. And obviously education is huge for them as well. But at the end of the day, these are young kids that want to have fun. They don't, you know, don't, don't let, you know, the, the, the being an adult, you know, ruin the fun of, of kids. And, and yeah, we, we are going to, expect a lot of these kids once they are on campus you know we we have the most stringent academic standards on in in the in the game right and coach kelly has his brand of of guy with with traits and everything that he molds these young men into being so it's not like we have to completely uh you know 
reject reject tradition and embrace modernity it's it's a it's melding the two together it's yeah, yeah i yeah. want i love the 1812 overture not only just from a notre dame standpoint i mean i'm, I'm i love history i love american history and, and that has a great meaning for our country um all right so there you can absolutely be fascinated with the traditions if i've never been to a game in south bend yet i will uh next year i was supposed to last year obviously that all got screwed up um, and when I go, I'm going to go to the trumpet show. I'm going to go to the grotto. I'm going to go on a campus tour. I'm going to, I want to see everything, everything I, dating back to 1841 or whatever the hell I want to know everything there is to possibly know. And then heading into the fourth quarter against a, a damn good opponent, which UNC is their record doesn't reflect that, but everyone was predicting them to be a playoff contender at the beginning of the year. Okay. This is a good football team that we beat. And USC is still a talented football team, just not a good football team. There's obviously a distinct difference there. And they're a huge rival. These are night games. Have some fun. Blast the lights. Use the phones. Play some fun music. Still go through the traditions. But also, you have to understand that it's a new day and age. And if you want to be competitive, if you want to bring these kids in and say, hey, you could go to South Beach or you can go to you know, Athens, or you can go to Tuscaloosa, or you can go to Austin, or you can go to Los Angeles and be warm. And there's tons of girls and partying and you can just like take basket weaving 101. You can do that and still probably make it to the NFL, or you can come to South Bend, Indiana, only have five good months out of the year. Uh, you could play in really tough conditions starting in October onward for the rest of the year. Right. And then and it's not gonna, it's not nearly as much of a party scene. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're also going to expect a ton out of you academically. That's a harder pitch to make. That is an yeah. absolutely yeah. harder pitch. to make. And now, that's what makes Notre Dame commits such fantastic guys is they they see all of that and say, nope, this is still I'm, I'm not going to get. I'm not going to focus on the shallow things that I think are going to bring me temporary happiness. I'm, I'm focused on things that go deeper and it's going to require more effort and sacrifice. That's going to make me a better man over the course, you know, the, the four for 40 model. So that's, that's my rant. I, you know, I, I just, I commend and I absolutely love tradition and history. I also, I think it's imperative that we also have to have some fun in the process. And my wife can overhear what I'm saying right now, not that she pays attention to me. Uh, but if you need an itinerary, I also found where Newt Rotney's grave is. Uh, so he's buried about 12 minutes uh, west of campus near the South Bend Airport. Uh, so we will be visiting that in uh, three weeks when we get to Georgia Tech. Uh, so that's beside the point there. Uh, then from there, the only other point, and this goes back earlier in the season, a friend of the program, Katie uh, kids for cubbies on twitter also has our own podcast but we're not plugging that because we don't give free ads katie uh you've just given was, like four before this she she owes me a beer uh so on her podcast and her on her twitter which is hilarious uh she got into beef because it was like a honoring the teacher of the science teacher of the year or some bullshit and it was right before it was at the Cincinnati game, actually. Uh, it was right before a bid third down where they did the a bid montage, probably played like Thunderstruck or something like ACDC from the 80s, um, got everyone hyped up. And then they killed the mood with, oh, this teacher won teacher of the year for St. Joseph's County. First of all, be better, Notre Dame. Time and a place. Yeah, like, dude, honor them before the game. I don't care. Learn what's ha- the game day experience is huge. 
be better at that. So I think they are getting better at that. I think they are learning. Uh, and I would like to say that Kate's uh, Katie's podcast probably had a little something to do with it. She she got pretty angry about that. Yeah, and and I mean you also have to look at yes, Coach Kelly's sixty years old, but look at the guys around him. Freeman's young. Tommy Reese is young. Um, yep. Mickens, I'm pretty sure, is you know a young middle aged guy. Same with Coach Dell Alexander. Same with you know, uh, everyone, right? Uh, Lance Taylor. So it, they're they're all pretty young guys from late 20s with i think reese I, i'm pretty sure he is uh, maybe he's 30 but whatever he's uh, 30 he's my age okay and then you have guys until like they're early even mi- kind of mid 40s so they can still kind of connect with the younger generation and and they've probably had a lot to do with uh with these recent changes so uh, that's yeah. obviously yeah. speculation on my point but I, I would i would like to assume awesome and speaking of game day environment uh you're frozen right now on the screen uh we're going to continue this running, but you are frozen just to, uh, to let the viewers at home know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm staring at a frozen screen right now, but I can hear Steve. So we're just going to run through this. Uh, yeah. You know, game day environment has to improve. Uh, and if you need a place to stay, I, I have a hookup. It's a mile away from campus. I got an Airbnb, so I'm not going to say where it is, but uh, we'll talk off offline uh, from there. Do you have any last points about UNC? Anything you want to say before we get into week nine? Week nine. Uh, week 10, ninth game. Um, week 10. Yeah, so I'm not really. I mean, they were a good opponent that we beat. Offensive line was fantastic. Kyron Williams is phenomenal. Quarterback play was extremely good. Um, what, what? I don't know. And, and also understand situationally how defenses adapt, right? Um, Agreed. If if we give up 28 points to Navy, I'll be right there with you panicking. Let's put it that way. Agreed. On to picks. Uh, yes, so I get to choose them this week. So here we go. There's only one ranked game this week. Match uh, rank free rank. Yes. Uh, so it's going to be Auburn, Texas A&M. Uh, really, the old- I'm worried all the way. So uh, I think Texas A&M is weird. I don't like TAMU. Uh, their Aggie cheerleaders are weird too. Uh, so worried. Okay. Uh, I'm flipping on you. I, although I'm, I've got to eat my crow. I did not believe in Bo Nix and he came out and played a hell of a game against uh, Ole Miss. So good for him and th- this Auburn team. And I genuinely hope that Auburn beats the living piss out of Bama in the, uh, the iron bowl. I just am going to be riding with the home team at Texas A&M in this case. Uh, 12th man is going to be showing out. They still have something to play for, um, right? Because they can p- prospectively go 10 and 2. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, they could win the West um, and then, you know, kind of get into the, the championship game, right? I think so. I don't know how the SEC works. We'll see. So. Yeah. Whatever. At, at the very least, they're competing for it. And, and obviously, you know that they want to win as much as possible, especially down there with Jimbo with his you know, pants uh, a little bit hot in the, in the hot seat. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm riding with Texas A&M. I just think that they're probably going to have the better defense, and I think both offenses are probably equal. So, with that being said, I'll ride with the defense of Texas A&M. And when lines came out uh, for this one, uh, it made some waves. It happened an hour before we started recording. UNC minus four over – I'm sorry, minus two now. It was minus four. Uh, minus two over Wake Forest, eight and O Wake Forest, top ten. This, Wake Forest. This is revisionist history, or 
I, I don't even know what the right word is. I'm going to use revisionist history here because of what they saw against UNC and how Wake Forest didn't put up 70 on Duke. I think that's where the lines makers are kind of going from. But I think this is the worst line of the week. Uh, I like Wake Forest to cover. If you're listening to this tomorrow, Monday, November 1st, uh, get on that line early before uh, any sharps get on it. Uh, so I think Wake Forest wins, covers, and uh, beats UNC. And uh, once again, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I think that UNC oh is going to pull up the upset here, uh, get back to 500 football. You know, they, their backs are against the wall, too. This is They are h- hitting the hardest part of their schedule right now is UNC. Um, and because I'm, I'm pretty sure they have a ranked game next week as well after this one. So, um they they have to win at what two out of their last their four and five so what's that four they're games. four and three four and they're, four they're four and four so yeah they oh, have they four games left they have to win at least two of them and yeah, yeah so it's th- Wake Pitt Wofford and NC State okay so they have to win one of those games because they're gonna game. they're gonna be Wofford but uh yeah they're 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 gonna win this game. Uh, UNC, I think, is better than what their record indicates. I think they are a good football team. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm going to roll with them. I was impressed with the way that they showed out against Notre Dame. All right. Now, a game that I might go to. Uh, Boston College, Virginia Tech. Probably going to be the red red bandana game. Uh, at BC, night game, Friday night, Chestnut Hill. Uh, we've seen VT play. Unfortunately, friend of the program. And our ex-lover, Phil Jerkovic, uh, Jerkovic, is not playing this year. Uh, BC's been on a little bit of a tough patch. Uh, but I think Red Bandana game, night game in Chestnut Hill against a VT team who's okay. Not great, but okay. Uh, I think BC wins this. Unfortunately, hurts our strength of schedule. Uh, and I've, I've hurt our strength of schedule twice so far. Uh, so I'm rolling with the Eagles. I do agree with you here. Um yeah, I don't know. I just don't feel that Virginia Tech is going to travel well to uh, to Massachusetts and play their best football. <laughs> Nobody plays their best football up here. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to ride with the Eagles at home. And then going, uh, going from nobody plays their best football in Massachusetts. That's going to be the tagline for this podcast. <laughs> that, that one got me a little bit. Um <laughs> okay nobody plays football nobody plays un- the under the football. professional level outside of foxborough nobody plays their best football in massachusetts outside of that one specific zip code uh yeah you're right uh now we got a pretty interesting one uh out of the cusa we have a, a very cup. strong a very strong 8-0 and UTSA program uh, against UTEP, who is 6-2. Uh, this is a 10-30 game on ESPN2, playing in the Sun Bowl Stadium. Uh, right now, it looks like UTSA, all signs are pointing to UTSA being a very good team. Uh, the Roadrunners are hot. Unfortunately, for my season-long bet, they are hot. Uh, and UTEP is also a hot team, so... You're uh you're getting a pretty good matchup at late night on Saturday. Uh, I think meep meep UTSA. I've been betting them all season. I've been doing very well betting them all season. 
Uh, so I'm on the Roadrunners. Okay. Um, so what I see with UTSA is a team that does not necessarily know yet how to live up to expectation and pressure. And that's why I'm going to roll with UTEP. Hmm. Um, also, this game should absolutely be played on a Thursday night. I'm sorry. I would Definitely. even take a, a Wednesday, maybe like a Tuesday. At like Isn't Wednesday for action now? Wednesday's for action. Tuesday, matching, Wednesday, fun belt. Okay. Ooh, the fun belt. The fun belt is going to get so much better in the next couple of years. It, it, and if I move I know. to China, then I'm like. I'm a South I, Alabama fan. Yeah. Notre Dame, South Alabama, house divided. Uh, okay, well, I'm going to take the Troy Trojans in this case. But anyway, uh, that's going to be a fun conference. Um, yeah. forward. So. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I am going to roll with UTEP just because UTEP is presumably at home because you listed them as second here, right? Or is this a neutral site? You said it was in Sun Bowl Stadium, right? Sun Bowl Stadium. I went off of the score app. Let me check my action app real quick. You know what? I don't care. I'm rolling with UTEP because they don't have any expectations and UTSA does and they're going to blow it. Next game, which is going to be a barn burner, may I say. This one is a doozy. This one's probably the game of the week. Uh, it features a team from the small state of Rhode Island against Shout a team out. that probably should be relegated to the small state of Rhode Island. Uh, URI, the URI Rams versus the UMass Minutemen. So you have Western Mass versus Rhode Island. South County, Rhode Island. South County, Rhode Island. So what do you, what do you got in this one? Um... Do you, do you want some stats? I'll give you some stats here. We're just going to roll off the top. Let them rip. All right. So we got UMass, who's 1-7. <laughs> They're playing at Amherst. Uh, the last time they played, UMass won 36-27. Rhode Island is 5-3, and three, but they're seventh in the CAA, which is an FCS program. Uh, Rhode Island, statistically this season, has ranked 211th in total yards. 187th in passing yards, uh, and 200th in points. They've played uh, where they've beat Bryant, 45-21. Uh, Albany, 16-14. to Let's go. Brown, 45-24. Uh, they beat Stony Brook, 27-20. Okay. Del- Delaware, 22-15. Screwed the Blue Hens. And then they lost, so they won five in a row. Nice. Then they lost to Towson. 28-7. Okay. Villanova, 44-0. Good team. And then Maine Orono, who I have a, a scalp against, by the way. No big deal. Beat them once. Uh, 45-24. Okay. That's interesting. Now, who's UMass's only win come against? UMass lost to Pitt, BC, Eastern Michigan, the worst of the directional Michigans, Coastal, Toledo, and UConn, they beat UConn. They lost to Florida State and Liberty. Uh, but they beat UConn 27-13. to 13. Okay. And uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, I got a call to be the new UConn quarterback because that's how bad they are as a program. But uh, anyway, um, I'm, I'm going to go with, with URI. Uh, based strictly on allegiance here, I grew up in Rhode Island. I went to college in Rhode Island, and I didn't go to URI, but uh, almost all of my friends did, and I used to visit there with regularity. Shout out Bonview Thursdays. Shout out Charlie O's, also RIP Charlie O's. George's on Mondays, most electric night of the week, must say. 
um, many a throw up did I do uh, in the parking lot at George's uh, favorite bar down there. So um, I love the URI Rams in this game. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, and not for all of that. The only time I went to URI, I went twice. Uh, I went to a frat party once my freshman year and then went to Stool Palooza, uh, the first concert Barstool ever put out. I uh, saw Sam, Sam Adams there. Uh, but really, my allegiance lies with Rhode Island, also a Rhode Island college grower. I was just in Bristol today. Uh, so uh, riding hard with the Rams, roadie, 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 and shout out Danielle. Uh, she's the biggest Rhode Island fan I know and the only Rhode Island fan I know. <laughs> that is also correct. All right. Well, sure. let's uh, let's close out this this episode um, with got Navy. just a a preview of Navy. Yep. It's going to be the wing triple option. It's going to be the same old bullshit. Uh, just to cover all the talking points. Yes. We beat them a ton of times in a row and then they upset us in the mid two thousands. And then we've been dominating them ever since. Yes. They're going to control the clock. Uh, yes. They have, you know, smaller athletes, uh, inherently, especially in the trenches because they have physical fitness requirements and therefore they're not able to get the, uh, the fat boys like we're able to get on the offensive line. So we're going to have an advantage there. Uh, at least when we are on offense running the ball, so expect a big game out of Kyren. So those are just all the, the baseline talking points to get through. Uh, but if there's any unique spin, perspective, stats, or anything else that you wanted to add, fire away, my boy. Their offense is terrible. Uh, 229th in total yards. Notre Dame's 102nd in total yards. It's a, almost a 100-yard discrepancy there with Notre Dame's averaging 408 yards uh, a game. They scored 18 points a game. Notre Dame's averaging 32. Fuck. Defensively, they're giving up 354 yards. Notre Dame's only Notre Dame's giving up 413. So that doesn't help our stats here. So yeah, a lot of that is garbage time. Yeah. So it's Navy. I respect them. They're the reason Notre Dame's the reason the Naval Academy stayed afloat during the World Wars. Uh, I do res- respect that whole. Uh, kind of history that we have with them it's our last rival of the season they don't have any uh injuries right now but the interesting thing is i just looked at the injury report uh jack Cohn has an undisclosed injury which is concerning i Maybe think he has that... a broken heart from everyone talking shit about him <laughs> uh i think it is the cut on his hand he had but yeah it's undisclosed according to this report that i'm reading right now uh, Braden Lindsay has a questionable, possibly C-word injury in his head. Uh, he, Joe Wilkins. They said that he was jumping around and like being a bit more coherent. It, I think it was more precautionary measure. So let's be hopeful for that. Uh, th- this is really where the only thing I have is uh, we know that Joe Wilkins is out for the season. Unfortunately, Kevin Bauman is questionable because he broke his leg and he's trying to come back, which is insane. Uh, Chris Tyree also questionable with a turf toe injury. If we can get him back and we have a three-headed beast uh, at running back, let's just line it up and let the boys play. Just let them run the ball the entire game. Let everyone run. I just want—I wanted to look like a rugby game. That's You're, all I care about. You just absolutely triggered the shit out of the analytics community. I know. <laughs> I, I stuck my tongue out at all of you for that because I want to see—I want a thousand yards of rushing for the entire game. Just fucking run at each other. Run the clock. No timeouts. Get the game over in an hour and a half. I have things to do that night. Fair enough. I, I'm actually going to be at a wedding in Cincinnati. 
Oof. So that's a little meta, isn't it? Yeah, that's not great. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and their uh, game day is also going to Cincinnati this weekend. But I didn't choose that game because I don't like the Bearcats. So <laughs> final score prediction. There's not too much to talk about Navy. Navy's Navy. Whatever. Uh, Dylan says Irish by three touchdowns. He also hates playing Navy. Uh, presumably because Canada doesn't have a Navy since horses can't swim and moose, <laughs> moose can, which is concerning. Uh, so my final score, Notre Dame 49, Navy 3. Uh, I'm going to go with Notre Dame 30... I'm going to go 34 to 10. I just don't think that we're going to put up uh, more than five touchdowns just because of limited possessions. But I also think that they're obviously not going to be able to pass the ball at all on us. If they even attempt more than five passes in the game, I'll be baffled. Uh, And we're probably going to obviously just stack the line and and just stop that run. Uh, Knock on wood, please, for the love of God, just stop the damn run against this team marcus freeman so i can just see happy fans for one weekend i would uh, sit kyle out this week too just to check yeah, some more yeah fan bases. No, no no point to stick your your knee in the ground against these guys that are chop blocking all set i'm good with that so those are our points today this is unfiltered unedited uh, i hope you all enjoyed listening to us ramble i'm sorry for the rant at the beginning uh let's have fun we got four more games left we got a bowl game Potentially two. Uh, first rankings come out Tuesday. Uh, we'll have reactions there. If you have any questions, follow us at Horseman Pod on Twitter. Uh, and Instagram. Follow our, follow our Instagram as well. Almost Saturday is the movement. And go Irish, beat Navy. Couldn't have said it better myself. Go Irish. And stop. <laughs>